Hello once again and welcome to the Foundry Church Podcast. My name is Joseph. I'm the worship pastor here at the Foundry Church in Winter Springs, Florida. Uh, We're so glad that you are spending some time with us this week during the Advent season. Uh, What you're about to hear is the message from week three of our Advent series called Wake Up, O Sleeper. Uh, This week, the theme, the focus was on uh, the Advent theme of love. Uh, So we hope that you enjoy this message from our lead pastor, Seth Cain. Good morning. morning. Welcome to the Foundry. Uh, My name is Seth, and we're all about a better you or a better world. You may have heard that a time or a few times. Um, I'm so very glad you're here today. We are in week two of our Christmas series that we're calling, uh, what, no, week three. <laughs> Let's get it. It's weird. The camera's not here. I don't know where to look. Normally the camera's right here. I'm just going to stare at you. <laughs> no pressure. Um, we're in week three of our series that we're calling Wake Up, O Sleeper. And what we've been talking about is the everywhereness of God and how this idea of Advent and, and waiting Maybe if Jesus has already come, the thing that we think we're waiting for, then we're not actually waiting. And so the waiting of Advent isn't actually done by us on God, but rather it's done by God towards us. Like God is waiting on us to wake up to this idea of the presence of God being everywhere that we are saturated in. We've also talked about this same concept and idea with hope. That if our hope has been realized through the birth of the Savior, the Messiah, then we're not, we have no hope. <laughs> we have this like actualization of the thing. So maybe hope isn't something we're waiting for, but rather hope is the thing that we become through how we live. We also talked uh, last week about this idea that when you look at the larger context of the Christmas story, when you look at either the, the lineage of Jesus all the way through like the context of the actual birth story, that that whole thing seems to be pointing us to the this idea that the places that we least are likely to expect to find God may in fact be the very birthplace of the divine. Uh, and, And how when we understand that, that actually should give us a great deal of peace. That should give us a great deal of peace because then it allows us to know and understand that like whatever it is that we're going through, God will be there too. So this week we move on and hopefully we'll continue to wake up to to the reality uh, and the beauty and the significance of the incarnation. Today I want to begin with a quote about Christmas, and this quote comes from a guy named Carl Rahner. Carl Rahner is believed, he's considered to be one of the the most uh, influential Roman Catholic theologians in the 21st century. I want you to see how he writes and speaks of Christmas. He says this, if in faith we say... It is Christmas. In faith that is determined, sober, and above all courageous, then we mean that an event came bursting into the world and into our life, an event that has changed all that we call the world in our life. Through this fact the God, that God has become human, time and human life are changed. Not to the extent that God has ceased to be God's self, the eternal word of God, with all splendor and unimaginable bliss, But God has already become human, and now this world and its very destiny concern God. Now God's self, as Jesus, is on our very earth, where he is no better off than we, and where he receives no special privileges. But our very fate, hunger, weariness, enmity, mortal terror, and a wretched wretched death, 
that the infinity of God should take upon itself human narrowness, that bliss should accept the mortal sorrow of the earth, that life should take on death. This is the most unlikely truth, but only this, the obscure light of faith, makes our nights bright. Only this makes them holy. God has come. God is there in the world. And therefore, everything is different from what we imagine it to be. When we say it is Christmas, what we mean, we mean that God has spoken into the world his last, his deepest, his most beautiful word in the incarnate word. And this word means, I love you. You the world, and human beings. It's pretty awesome, pretty awesome uh, little, little thought there, isn't it? So when we say it is Christmas, we are essentially affirming and accepting the redemptive and transformative power of the incarnation. When we say it is Christmas, we should hear God saying to us, I love you, saying to all of creation, I love you. This is what this means. In fact, if you look at the book of John and how John introduces us to Jesus in his gospel, if you look in the first couple of verses, like you see, this is like essentially the same thing that Ronner is talking about. John chapter one, verse one through three, uh, one through five. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Skip down to verse 14. It says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Right, in this kind of what Ronner was saying. So this word was before creation. This word was with God. This word was God. This word gave birth to all creation and everything that is has come into existence through this word. And this word that was before creation, this word that was with God, that was in fact God, that gave birth to all creation through whom everything that, has, that is has come into existence, that word that very same word decided to take on flesh and enter into this world to dwell among us. The word through whom all things have come into existence decided to like join in and participate in the party. This alone like should, should really like blow our minds a bit. Like this is, I mean, this is kind of a, a, a huge deal. The question maybe then is like, well, yeah, but like, why? Why would he do such a thing? Well, John talks about that a little bit later in, in John chapter three. You may have heard this one before. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So according to John, the reason that this word that was before creation, that was with God, that was God, birth to all creation, through whom everything that is and exists has come through, the reason that this word took on flesh and made his dwelling among us, among his own creation, is because of the deep love of God has for God's creation. God wanted to save, to redeem, to restore the very thing that God created because God loves it all. Okay, now think with me through this. Okay, John chapter 10, verse 30. 
John says, or actually Jesus says, Jesus, who is the word made flesh, says, I and the Father are one. Jesus, who is the word made flesh, the word that was with God and is God, says in John chapter 10, verse 30, I and the Father are one. There is this oneness, this wholeness, this unity, that these things are one and the same. If you skip like a few books ahead, in the first John chapter four, you see it says God is love. So to say God is love is to say that Jesus, who is the word made flesh, is love also. So the word that was in the beginning is love. So it's love that was in the beginning. It's love that gave birth to all things. It's, it's, it's love uh, that, that has taken on flesh and walks, walked amongst us. So to say that the word became flesh is to say that love took on human form, which would also be to say that the reason love took on human form was not to condemn the world, but to save the world through love. So maybe we could like adapt that, that Rahner phrase a little bit. To say it is Christmas is to accept the reality that love was before all things, that love gave birth to all things, that love came to dwell among all things, and then in the end, love will redeem and reclaim all things. To say it's, it is Christmas is essentially to say that love transcends all things. And so because love transcends all things, um, what we see in the scripture is that God seems to continually descend into all things. Because love transcends, God descends. Uh, and really, if you think about it, if you look at the overall like, narrative, the overarching narrative of, of the whole story of the Bible, like this is what we see. Think about how the Bible begins. You have God creating, and then what does God do? God dwells in the, in the garden with God's creation. And then later on in the story, God rescues the people from slavery in Egypt. And, and he begins to give these instructions about how to live this new kind of life. He gives them instructions about how to be in relationship with God. And so he gives them instructions on how to build this thing called the sanctuary. Right? Watch what happens. Exodus chapter 25, verse 8. Then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. So at the beginning, you have God dwelling in the garden. Then you have God rescuing the people and then dwelling among the people in the sanctuary. This word for dwell, by the way, it means to like make a tent. It means to set up camp. So God is setting up camp with creation. God is setting up camp in the, in the sanctuary among his people. Then after this, the people eventually get settled into the promised land and they no longer need this mobile sanctuary that is the dwelling place of God. So Solomon builds a temple. Solomon builds a temple and watch what happens. Second Chronicles chapter seven. When Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. Glory of the Lord fills the temple. Then after this, what we see in the New Testament, we get in the New Testament, we have our passage for today. John chapter one, verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Then after the ascension of Jesus, we see Paul saying this in 1 Corinthians chapter three, verse 16, do you not know that you yourself are God's temple? And what have we seen happening in God's temple? It continues, God's spirit dwells in your midst. 
And then you get to the very end of the Bible and you'll never guess what you see. Revelation chapter 21, verse three. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. He will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. Do you see a pattern that seems to be developing here? God is in dwelling in the garden with creation. God is dwelling in the sanctuary amongst the people. God is dwelling in the tabernacle, among, or in the temple amongst the people. God is dwelling in the flesh on earth amongst us. God is dwelling within us. God will dwell on the renewed, restored earth at the end that is this new beginning. Right? For, for many people, the story of the Bible, the story of God, the story of, of love seems to be about getting, getting out of this place. The story is like out, out there, away from here. You have to get somewhere else because God is somewhere else. The, the storyline has always been like up, up, and, and away. But what it looks like in the scripture, what the scripture is actually pointing to is this idea that it's not up, up, and away, but rather the, the trajectory is continually down and here and among and, and within, it's here. It, it's almost like because love transcends, God must descend. It's almost like to say it is Christmas is to hear the very voice of God saying, I love you and I love you so much that I can't not be with you. I love you so much that I have to be here with you. The whole idea of, of up, up, and away is, is actually kind of funny if, if you think about it. At least it is to me. Um, it's funny for a couple different reasons, and I think it, it actually, if we maintain that idea, it actually puts us in a bit of an awkward position. Right? Like, first of all, if we're planning on getting up somewhere else, if we're planning on going somewhere else, planning on being out there somewhere, but then the Bible says that all the direction that we see in the scripture of God is like coming here and being among us and dwelling on creation. Like, where, where are we going? And then what happens when we get to wherever it is we think we're going? Because we're going to be up there and God's going to be here and we're going to be like, oh, wait. It's, this is awkward. I thought this is where I was supposed to be. Where's God? Yeah. Oh, he's, he's back here. The other thing about it is like, like what is up? <laughs> like, when you think about it from like a physical perspective, when we apply it to our thoughts on God, and we all kind of do this, right? Like, we, we all do it. Like, think about when you pray, what do you do? You look up to the heavens. When you get in trouble, when you need some help, God, help me, please, right? We're always looking up. Um, we, we all kind of do this, but like, like what, what, <laughs> what is up? What's up? <laughs> um, and maybe you've thought through this. I've never like fully thought through this, but the other day I had this realization and like I had this whole conversation with myself, which is weird. I hope you guys do this too, but I had this whole conversation with myself and I was like, oh, this is getting weird. Uh, so I was sitting on my front porch and I was doing like my morning Devo meditation, like prayer time stuff. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching like I, I, from our front porch is the pasture. Uh, the neighbor has a big pasture and I get to watch the sunrise and it was this beautiful morning and it was you know a couple weeks ago. So it was like nice and cool in the morning, you know, it wasn't the summer heat. 
Um, and I'm watching the sunrise. I'm like, man, this is beautiful. This is so beautiful. And I'm like just thanking God. And I'm looking. I'm like, thank you for all. And I'm just like, it's this very like, uh, like moment of gratitude. I'm praising God for the, the beauty. I'm praising God. Like, thank you for my wife and my kids and, and my life and my parents and my brothers and sisters and, and my in-laws and all, the, all this stuff. And, and, um, and then in the middle of it, this thought popped into my head. In this very like gratitude-filled, reflective moment, and I don't know if it was if it was like the spirit like hitting on me, not hitting on me. That sounds weird. Uh, like getting in my brain, uh, or if it was just like my brain being weird because it was early. But uh, something in my head said, "Why are you looking up to talk to God?" And I went, I don't know. I guess that's just where I always thought God was. Like, that's where I've been taught. God's up there. We're here. One day we're going to go up there and be with God. It's going to be great and wonderful. Everything's going to be fantastic. Uh, but then myself, like, um, like, tricked me a little bit and was like, okay, but, like, where are you? Well, I'm on my porch. No, 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 zoom out. This is all in my head, by the way. Okay, so the conversation is just me with me. Um, where are you? I'm on my porch. No, zoom out. Okay, uh, I'm on the earth Okay, where is the earth? Well, the earth is in space. Okay, well, how does something orient itself in space towards a particular direction? Oh, I, I don't know, actually, now that you think about it. Uh, okay, well, so you're on your front porch on the earth, um, and that's great, uh, but like, also, did you know like, that the earth tilts and, and then it spins and then it like orbits around the sun? So how do you know which way, when you're looking up into infinite space, which way is actually up if you can't have no sense of orientation? Oh, geez, I don't know. That's a lot to think about. Well, and like, what happens if, you know, if I believe that one glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away into the, to the great beyond, and, you know, that's the place I'm trying to get, but yet my earth is tilting and spinning and moving, and, like, how will I know where to go? <laughs> and it's getting more complicated. And then I started to think about it, well, uh, if I'm standing on this rock that we call the earth, and, like, um, because of gravity, no matter where we're at, we always have some sort of orientation of, uh, from our perspective. But like if you're standing on the North Pole and you're looking up to God, and I'm standing on the South Pole and I'm looking up to God, we're both looking up to God, but we're looking into infinite directions into outer space. So if, if I think I'm going up where I die, like how do I... How do I know where to go? Not only that, but again, the earth is spinning, or it's tilting, it's spinning, and then it's like orbiting the sun. Um, and if you include the idea that now scientists believe that like not only are we orbiting the sun in our solar system, but like our whole solar system is actually orbiting the galaxy in this vortex pattern. <laughs> how, how do you know which way is up? <laughs> yeah. So um, this is when my brain started to melt a little bit. And so I closed my eyes and I said, well, thank you, God. I'm just going to trust you. The sunrise was beautiful because it's like 630 is way too early to contemplate all this stuff, right? Like this is way too much that early in the morning. So to say it is Christmas is to accept the reality that love is before all things, that love gave birth to all things that love came to redeem all things and that love will one day reclaim and restore all things. To say it is Christmas is to say that love transcends, therefore God descends. And, and what we see throughout the scripture is that God continues to descend because love transcends, God descends. So if God is here, then maybe I don't really need to worry about where up is Maybe we need to change our perspective on a few things. 
Maybe the goal is not simply to get out of this place, but maybe the goal is to wake up and live in the reality of the love that is already here. So our youngest son, Elias, he's got a pretty big imagination. He's got pretty big feelings. Um, he, 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 He loves to play. Right? I mean, you, you've seen like the personality that he has. He, at six years old, he had no problems coming up here on stage and grabbing a microphone and like being part of the sermon. Like He was 100% okay with that. Um, he loves to play, has this great imagination. He carries toys with him wherever he goes because he never knows when there may be some time just to play. Like We'll go to the baseball field for the other kids' practice, and um, he'll either find a friend, preferably somebody who has candy or food, or he will, if he can't find a friend, he will take his toys and just play. And he'll play for like an hour, or hour like he'll play by himself. Um, as much as he loves the center of attention, he's very good at entertaining himself. Uh, when he's at home, he will occasionally just like go into the room, into the playroom and just play. We try to get rid of toys, it's really hard because once you pick one up, it, it becomes like a whole new thing for him, right? Like he takes that old thing and it's a whole world that he creates. Uh, sometimes he will go with his brother Ezra to the neighbor's house to, uh, and, and Ezra will be playing football with the two boys down there and Elias will go into the house, ask for a snack and then he will go into their toy room to play with their toys by himself. Like he just loves to play and he's really good at it and you watch him play and like you kind of... You kind of want to be a part of it, like because of this world that he's creating, it's just so phenomenal. And so sometimes if, if he's playing, if he's doing his thing, like you, you will come and, and, and you, you will say like, hey, hey, bud, can I, can, I, can I be a part of this? And he will go like, ah, oh. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, no, this is kind of my thing. Um, I'm doing this, I'm playing, I don't want you to mess it up because you're an adult and your imagination is terrible. So I'm just gonna, like he literally won't allow you to play with him. But sometimes, sometimes if, if you walk in and say, bud, can I play? He's like, yeah, 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 come on, come on, come on, let me show you what I'm doing. So the, the other day he was at our house and he had been in his room for like 30 minutes and it was, I could hear him like doing all the sounds like pew, you know, just all the sound effects. And uh, I, I like came to the, like, the door and I was like peeking in because I didn't want him to see I was watching, but I wanted to watch because it was a lot of fun to watch. And I was watching and I was like, oh man, I should go play. I really should go play. Like this would be a good time for us to like hang out and just have some dad and Elias time. And you know, I don't always do that. I always don't do the right thing, but this was like a moment. I thought, oh, yeah, let's do it. So I walk in, I say, hey buddy, can, can, can I play with you? And he says, uh, yeah, yeah, come on. Okay. What are we playing? <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> we've got dinosaurs. It, it was basically, uh, to summarize, it was Legos, robots, dinosaurs, and superheroes. That, that's, what, that's what we were actually playing. Um, and so there was dinosaurs all uh, in different cages around the room. And then w- w- the dinosaurs would escape and then we had to take either a robot or a superhero uh, and build them a Lego vehicle of some sort and then uh, attempt to capture the escaped dinosaurs and put them back in their cage. Somehow, um, I always failed the mission. (laughs) And somehow, he always succeeded in the mission. I felt like um, it was a bit one-sided. But we had a great time, and we played. And I got to spend time with my son just sitting in his room. 
he, he has a great imagination, right? And when I see it, when I see him, it's like because of my love for him, I'm, I'm drawn into that. Now, not only does he have a great imagination, um, he also, he, he has big feelings. He has big feelings. Uh, he actually gets hurt a lot. He gets hurt a lot physically and emotionally because of his big feelings. Um, he gets hurt a lot physically. Uh, <laughs> like, he's the type of kid that will, he will like fall out of a chair. Do you know this? Like, he just, like it defies physics. I don't know. I don't know how it happens. He's fallen off benches, chairs, multiple times, and he just gets hurt a lot. He runs into things a lot. He gets, we, he goes to the clinic at school like once a week, and we get an email from the school every time, and they're like, dear Mr. and Mrs. Kane, Elias was in the clinic again. He ran into somebody at the playground. He bumped his knee. I put an ice pack on it. Now he's back in class. He seems to be fine. Just wanted you to know. Dear Mr. and Mrs. Kane, Elias came to the clinic day. He fell out of a swing. He bumped his elbow. Uh, we put a bandage and an ice pack on it, and he sent him back to class. He seems to be doing okay. Just wanted you to know. Dear Mr. and Mrs. Kane, Elias ran into a door today. It's like, oh my gosh. Stop giving the kid candy. I think he's hurting himself on purpose to go to the clinic. He gets hurt a lot physically, uh, but he also gets hurt a good bit like emotionally. Um, on one hand, he's, he's pretty tough, and, and there's a lot of things he brushes off very easy. And I'm like, how does he even do that? But like, if his brother and sister say something like mean to him, like not about, if they say something mean to him, he's okay. If they say something mean about him, he carries it heavy. If he knows his mom and I are disappointed with him about something, um, he carries that heavy. Like you can see his whole posture and demeanor kind of shrinks up. Like he just, he carries a lot of weight. And so um, what I've noticed is that when he goes through a moment that's not just your average little bump or scratch, when it's something more significant, when it's something like deeper and heavier, um, what I try to do is I try to get kind of on his level. I try to sit with him, just try to be with him, try to let him know I'm there um, so that he knows that his dad is there with him. Uh, the other night we were coming home from somewhere. It was late. It was later than we normally go to bed. And uh, he had gotten his jammies on, and we were all in the kitchen just doing our, like trying to get ready. Uh, for bed, and I don't remember what it was, a very small thing, something small that like he would normally, wouldn't bother him at all, um, but for whatever reason, he just was emotionally drained, and it, and it like set him off to where like he, you know, he's in his cute Christmas jammies, uh, but he's got like his face is red, and he's crying, and he's, he just can't keep it together. And it's <laughs> so I sat, I sat on the kitchen floor, and I pulled him to me and I held him and I just said, bud, you've had a long day. I've got you. You're here. I'm here with you. Let's finish this up and let's get in bed. And he just kept his head on my shoulder and just <laughs> tried to regulate his breathing and we went to bed and he was fine. I didn't, I didn't fix anything. Didn't really change anything but I got on his level and let him know I was there with him. You know, as, as his 
father as like the primary authority in his life. Um, when it comes to time of play, I could very easily go, dude, let's play. Like bring your toys up to the table, come up to the counter. Like, like I'm in charge of you. I can do that. Like come up here and play with me cause I want to play and I, I'm getting old. I can't sit on like this on my knees for so long. You know what I'm saying? You guys should be impressed even with just this. So I could make him do that. Or I could say like, as he goes through some sort of hurt, you know, physically or emotionally, like, dude, just get over it. Just get over it, man. Like, as as the all the Almighty Father, like I already know, like you're gonna be okay. Like it's fine. Get over it. And I could totally discount that. And sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't get it right. Sometimes I neglect to play. And sometimes. If he gets hurt, especially physically, I just say, you know, rub some dirt on it, bro. Get over it. You're tougher than that. Like, move on. It's not that big a deal. Like, but sometimes I don't. Sometimes I think I do it right. And, and, and so for my son, whether it's this time of play or imagination and laughter, or whether it's this time of hurt where he just needs some sort of bandage to heal, either that physical wound or that emotional wound, Sometimes I do the right thing and I, I, I go to him. And, 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 I, and I do this on purpose because I, I, want, I want him to know I'm there. He is my son, he is my child, he is my creation. And so whether it's times of play or times of hurt, like I am drawn to that because of my love for him. I want to be a part of that. I want to experience the joy and the fun and I want to be the place, I want to be the shoulder for him to cry on. That through my posture, my positioning, that he will know that I am there with him in the middle of it. Whether it's this or whether it's that. The interesting thing about life though, is that these things aren't always so separate, are they? The times of hurt and the times of play. A lot of times they just kind of swirl together. Like somehow we're able to simultaneously experience good and bad. Like you remember I was talking about peace last week and, and we talked about how I was having this dinner with my family and it was this great time. But then also I was watching the news about the things happening in the Ukraine. The good and the bad were all swirling together. The interesting thing about the scriptures and about the message of Jesus is that um, Jesus never promises, the scriptures never promise <clears throat> that it's always going to be like easy, breezy, beautiful, does it? In fact, the scripture kind of speaks to the opposite. In John chapter 16, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he starts to like have this discussion as a way to prepare them for the things that are about to happen. And he says, like, hey, uh, in a little while, you're not going to see me. I'm going to be gone. And then he says, a little while after that, I'm going to come back and I'll, and I'll be with you. It's this very vague thing. He's talking about the cross and his impending death without actually talking about the cross and his impending death. He's just, like, giving them, like, preparing them. So in John chapter 16, <clears throat> uh, verse 20, and this speaks to this idea of these things swirling around together. Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. 
A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. If you skip over to verse uh, 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So he says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace, that you may have peace in the joy and the good and the laughter and the play, and that you may have peace in the hurt and the suffering and the pain. It's actually a bit like what we talked last week, isn't it? Where we talked about this idea of peace and how peace isn't something that is only present with the absence of problems and conflict. And problems and conflict don't negate or prohibit peace. This is like the same idea. He says, in me you can have peace. In these moments that are swirling around together, whatever the moment is. Then he says, you will have trouble in this word, world. The word for trouble is the word thalipsis. And it means pressure, uh, literally, figuratively, affliction, anguish, burden, persecution, tribulation, trouble. So in this world, you will experience pressures. There will be burdens that will be placed upon you. Sometimes things aren't going to go your way. Sometimes there's going to be hurt and pain and suffering. He says, but take heart. The word here for heart is the word tharseo. It's to be of good courage, to be of good cheer, to be confident, to be hopeful, to be bold. Do not be afraid. So you will go through some stuff, but you don't have to be afraid. And why is that? Well, because he says, I've overcome the world. I have overcome the world. Now, of course, when we hear this, maybe we immediately jump to this idea of like the death and resurrection of Jesus. And yes, that's awesome. We're so very grateful that he's overcome sin and death and absolutely. But like, what if there's another layer to this as well that might bring us a bit more comfort? What if this idea is like, in light of our context for today, and in light of the idea that when he says this, the thing that he's talking about hasn't yet happened. So what if it's like kind of both? What if he's, what if he's saying that like he's speaking both to the future of the thing that will happen and to this idea that because God has come into the creation as Jesus, the fact that he has entered into this material realm already speaks to the fact that he has overcome that the presence of the Christ in the material realm as this baby who grows up to be the savior, that the divine has entered into the material and has therefore redeemed the material, redeemed all of creation. In fact, this is what the Franciscans uh, believe about, about the incarnation, that the incarnation infers the redemption of all things. So he says, in this world, you will have trouble. You will go through some stuff. You will have good days and bad days, and you will have moments of joy and creativity and fun. You will have moments of hurt and despair and suffering. But you don't have to give up. Don't be afraid. I've come into the world to be with you. 
I've come into the world to be with you through all of it. I have overcome all of it. I have redeemed all of it. It's because of my love for you that I have come to you. I have stepped into your world. I have stepped into this world to let you know that I am with you in the good and in the not so good. You see, it's because God is love and love transcends that God can't but descend, that God can't not dwell among us. He has come to be with us. Because love transcends, God descends. The story is not up, up, and away. The story is down and among and here. God has come to meet us on our level. He has come to look into our eyes, to let us know that it's going to be okay. He has come to play and imagine and create. He's come to be with us through all of it. And I think this, this to me really is the, part of the beauty of Christmas, the beauty and the power of the incarnation. So to say it is Christmas is to accept the reality that love was before all things, that love gave birth to all things, that love has entered into all things, and that love will redeem and reclaim all things. To say it is Christmas is to say that love transcends, and because love transcends, God descends. God comes and sits on the floor with us to play. And God sits in the kitchen with us to hug, to comfort, to bandage our wounds, to hold us, to let us know that it's going to be okay. To say it is Christmas is for us to wake up to wake up to and live in the reality of the love that is already here. To say it is Christmas is to hear the very voice of God saying, I love you and I have come to be with you. A time where we get to to focus, to step into, to be focused and present in God's love for us. We've been going through during this Advent season and taking also this moment to reflect upon what others around the world are reflecting on. Our first week we talked about hope. We talked uh, about the ideal that God is already among us. We talked about waking up to God in our midst. When we talked about peace, we talked about looking for God, recognizing God in humanity, in ourselves, in others. And today, as we focus on love, we focus on the incarnation, the very birth of Jesus that we celebrate this time of year as God saying, I love you. I am here with you. I want to know you better and I want you to know me better. I am committed to building this relationship between us through the ups and the downs. I am here with you and I'm here for you. So as we take communion, 
I invite you to use this time to sit with God, to bask in God's love for you, to, to practice accepting that, letting God's love wash over you. If you will pray with me, Lord, thank you. Thank you for loving us so much that you created us, loving us so much that you stepped into the world with us, loving us so much that you are always with us through our highs and our lows, through our celebrations, through our sadness. You love us. A love that goes beyond anything we can fully understand. A love so pure and wonderful. A love that always seeks to build us, us up. A love that desires to see our flourishing. Lord, help us, help us to learn to accept your love. Help us learn to love you and to love others as you love us. We pray this in the name of the Son who walks with us in the power of your Spirit who lives in us. Amen. Now there will be stations on either side of the room um, for you to get some com uh, the communion. There will also be prayer partners by the prayer wall and the cross. Uh, if you have something that you need to pray about or talk to someone about, if you're watching with us online, there will be someone who can pray with you online. You can just type that into the chat. Spend this time with God. Well, that'll do it for uh, this edition of the Foundry Church Podcast. Thank you once again for spending a little bit of your week with us here on the podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can always check out our website at thefoundryc.org. Uh, or you can email us, reach out directly at info at thefoundryc.org. And you can also find uh, what's happening on Facebook at facebook.com slash thefoundryc. Uh, again, for the Foundry Church, for all of us here, uh, thank you for being with us. We'll see you next time.